Tomorrow is our 18th wedding anniversary. I remembered, by the way, just in case I'm tending to forget things more and more these days, but I do remember that tomorrow is my 18th wedding anniversary. And if you know Sherilyn at all, I'm going to tell on her, if you know her at all, you know she's not the most gushy, romantic person in the world. She, she's very loving and nurturing, but she really doesn't go in for all that ooey-gooey, you know, modern romance kind of stuff. Our least favorite holiday, collectively, is February 14th. We're just really not a fan of that day. It's not our favorite holiday. So in fact, and I know some of you were recently engaged, when I asked Sherilyn to marry me, I planned that on the exact farthest date on the calendar from February 14th, August 14th. As far away as I could get from Valentine's Day, I asked her to marry me. And I don't know what that says about our relationship, but we've been together for 18 years, so apparently that worked out okay. What are you going to be doing six months from now? That's hard to imagine with everything that's been going on and the chaos and uncertainty of life, I suppose. What are you going to be doing in six months from now? Would you believe me if I told you that it is actually one of my favorite holidays that you'll be thinking about? Those math nerds out there are already figuring it out in their heads. Six months from now and two days is Thanksgiving. I don't know if you knew that, but in six months from now, we will be thinking a lot about turkey and cranberry sauce. Lord willing, we will hopefully be able to enjoy that holiday. And it is around that time in November that we spend a lot of time thinking about gratitude. It feels to me, and I don't know if you'd agree with me on this, but it feels to me like sometimes we reserve thoughts about thanksgiving and thankfulness and gratitude. We reserve those thoughts for November. That's where those thoughts belong. <laughs> and once we get out of November, then we can stop think thinking about being thankful. Actually, we stop thinking about being thankful the day after Thanksgiving, pretty much, as we pile into the stores, or at least we used to before the pandemic. It's just something that we don't think much about during other times of the year, and I think it's unfortunate. Unfortunate that we reserve November for the time where we're grateful for things and we're thankful for things. Built into the core of who we are as disciples of Christ is gratitude. We are and should be the most thankful people, the most grateful people, because we have been given the greatest gift, which none of us deserved. But what happens sometimes is ingratitude slips in. Ingratitude slips in. And we forget to be thankful. We forget to be thankful because of all the things that are going on, all the troubles that we're facing, the political uncertainty, the, the pandemic that's going on, all the things that may get us down, that may get us discouraged, that may distract us from being thankful. And I felt like Rather than saving this lesson for November, let's preach it as far away from November as we can possibly get. And remind ourselves that gratitude and thankfulness is something we do all year long. It's something we do 365 days a year. 
it is who we are. It's built into our, our nature. But if you found yourself slipping into ingratitude after all the things that, that we've experienced over the last year, I want you to rise above that. I want to rise above that because I've been at times over the last year or so where I haven't been as thankful as I could have been. I haven't, I haven't been as grateful to the Lord and I haven't been as grateful to other people as I should be. And I hope this morning we can spend some time thinking about gratitude and thanksgiving and remind ourselves that we have reason, so much reason, to live thankfully before our God every day and to be thankful for others and the blessings that they are to us. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to look at four things. Preachers like to look at two, three, four things. So today we're going to pick four things. We're going to pick four things that I think really stand in the way of gratitude. They are things that all of us will deal with from time to time, some of us more than others, some in seasons more than others. Four ways that really Satan stands against our gratitude and keeps us from being thankful. And then I want to look at the alternative. I want to look at God's instruction about how we overcome those things, how we rise above those kinds of attitudes. And hopefully this morning as we leave this place, even with all of the difficulties that we're currently facing here at Monta Vista, hopefully we'll leave here joyful and thankful, praising our God for what he's done for us and what he continues to do for us. And so let's look together at a few things. The first thing I want to look at in talking about gratitude, the first obstacle or roadblock is really distraction. I think that's probably the easiest one that all of us slip into from time to time, and it's distraction. You'll turn with me to Luke 17. I think this story that we see in Luke 17, beginning in verse 11, is really instructive about this distraction that comes when we get too busy to see God's blessings. You'll remember this story in Acts 17, verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance, and they lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And I love the miracle that he does here. It's not one of his flashier miracles. It's not one of the, the more fireworks and laser beams miracles. This is one of the, the low-key miracles that Jesus does. He says, when he saw them, he said, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and praise and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Here, the focus of the story is the one Samaritan, former leper, who was healed, who comes back and throws himself at Jesus' feet, praising God and thanking Jesus for what he had done. But don't forget the nine who were full of ingratitude. The nine who had also been healed, and Jesus makes a point to say, where, where are the other nine? Where, where, was only one of you thought it was important to come back and give me thanks? Important to notice in this story, what did Jesus tell them to do? Go. <laughs> go to the temple. Go show yourself to the temple. And on their way, they were healed. What were they doing as they went? They were listening to Jesus. They were following his instruction, weren't they? They were doing what 
the Lord had told them to do. Now, you might say, well, this Samaritan broke Jesus' rule. Oh, no, he didn't. Because Jesus doesn't condemn him for not listening to him. Jesus honors him and praises him for his faith. I think sometimes we get distracted, even with good things, even with positive things, going about our work, being about the Lord's business, doing the things that we should be doing. Do you have a, a, a spot in your calendar written down every day for gratitude? Do you have a spot reserved in your time, a block of time reserved for gratitude? Just a, a, a thing that we just get so busy with. Our calendars are full of a lot of other things. We're busy doing a lot of other activities for the Lord. Are we stopping to thank Him? Or are we too distracted? And obviously, I think the solution for distraction in terms of being grateful and showing our gratitude is alertness. Go to Colossians chapter 3 with me, please. Colossians chapter 3. I think we have here in Colossians 3 one of the best examples of watchfulness. And watchfulness and thankfulness are tied together. Being watchful, being prayerful, and being thankful are just intertwined together. Colossians 3 verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. When do we give thanks to God? In everything we do. In everything you do. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything. Go to chapter 4, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. We need to be alert not distracted. We need to open our eyes and we need to look around and see the great blessings that the Lord has given us. Like that one Samaritan man did. He was the one out of the nine who decided to turn around, go back to Jesus and throw himself at his feet. We need to be alert. There are so many reasons to give thanks to the Lord. There are so many reasons to just let our joy flow out in our prayer toward God for what he's done, but it's going to take us stopping to thank God for all that we enjoy. We are very busy people. We've got a lot going on. I, I have a lot going on. I don't know about you. It was, uh, I think, Thursday I found out I was preaching the first lesson, and it was Friday I found out I was going out of town tomorrow. I, I've got a full calendar this weekend, but am I stopping? to thank the Lord for all that he's done for me every day, in everything that I do, in all of my prayers. It's important. Gratitude, you might think, is on the lower rung of all the important things we need to be doing, but you cannot find a book in the Bible almost without gratitude being in there, without thanksgiving and thankfulness and praise to God being a part of it. We are a thankful people, or at least we should be, and we need to be that way as alert and watchful disciples of Jesus. You know I like to give challenges. I don't like to, to leave a lesson without giving you something really to think about or do. And so let's maybe take this challenge on. And this may be a little bit hippie for some of you, but, but walk with me here. Go on a gratitude walk looking for God's blessings. And you might think, well, that's, yeah, okay, he's got his Birkenstocks on there. What is he talking about? Go on a gratitude walk 
You go back to the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus is talking about anxiety. What does he point to as he talks about anxiety and worry? He points to the flowers. He points to the birds. Why does God give us the birds and the flowers to instruct us? Why does he show us those things? Because he created them. And they're instructive to us. They help us understand that God takes care of those things. God takes care of the birds and the flowers. He'll take care of you too. Romans chapter 1, Paul talks a lot about how the things that were made tell us about God, teach us about God. We can know about who God is because of what we see around us. Maybe it's helpful for us just to take some time, take a break, and dedicate a little bit of time to just going on a walk and thinking about the Lord, looking around at his creation, looking around at what he's done, what he's made for us. I know we like to spend so much of our time focused on our phones and walking around like this. Put the phone down and just look around at what God has made. Even in your neighborhood. I mean, we live next to a train track. We've got houses all over us. There's almost no nature to be found, except when you really pay attention and you see the little bunny rabbits hanging out in the, in the grass. Life is so much easier, so much more simple, so much more pleasurable and fulfilling when we stop. And we really take stock of what God has done for us and express our thanks to him. This is just something we can do to be more alert, to be more watchful of what God does for us. Let's move on to the second roadblock, I think, is discouragement. This one may be more familiar to you. This one may hit home a little bit more. Discouragement. Matthew 13, verse 22, Jesus is talking about the soil, the parable of the soil and the seed, and how the, the sower scatters the seed and it lands on various different kinds of ground. And in Matthew 13, verse 22, he explains that the, the seed that fell on thorns, fell among the thorns, what happened to it? It was choked out by all kinds of worry and discouragement, the cares of the world, the lust and the pleasures of life choked it out. That is absolutely what happens in our lives if we let discouragement just take us down. And there's been a lot of discouraging things that have happened to us, I think, over the last year plus. There have been a lot of discouraging things. You can look at the fact that, that many of our members right now are at home having to isolate themselves because of COVID. You can look at that and say, well, this is such a discouragement. And we can, we can really let things like that get us down and take us down. And the more discouraged you get, the easier it is just to fill your mouth and your mind with complaints. Oh, I can complain with the best of them. <laughs> and I'm sure you know how to complain too. Complaining in our natural man just comes so easy. There's so many things that are going wrong. There's so many things that aren't going the way I thought that they should go. You can even look at the Apostle Paul in the last few chapters of Acts. As he's going about doing his work, as he's, as he's working for the Lord, you can think, there I was, I was going into the city and I was stoned again. I wanted to go to Rome in a different way than that, but instead I went in chains. You could imagine that Paul and all the things that he endured and faced, that he could have been so discouraged by that. Was he discouraged, though? He was absolutely not. And we shouldn't be either. And the reason why we shouldn't be discouraged and we should focus our, our mind and attention on gratitude is that we accept 
discouragement. We accept when bad things are happening. And this may be a little bit hard for you to track with me on, but, but go with me here. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, back up to verse 16. Paul says, rejoice always. But by the way, these two lessons this morning, these are all about joy. That is what this is all about, joy and gratitude. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all of life's circumstances. If I just left that there and let it sit with you for a while, can you think of circumstances in your life that you aren't very thankful for? Can you think of hurtful words that someone said to you that you're not very thankful for? Can you think of the, maybe the death of a loved one that you're not very thankful for? Can you think of even something as silly as new parents out there, maybe dirty diapers. Think about dirty diapers for a second. Are you thankful for dirty diapers? No. There are a lot of things in life that we don't need to be thankful for or circumstances in our lives that we don't need to be thankful for but notice the difference in the words. He didn't say, in all of our circumstance, give thanks for those circumstances. He says, give thanks in them. There's a big difference between giving thanks in life's circumstances and giving thanks for life's circumstances. Do you think the Apostle Paul enjoyed his thorn in the flesh? No. He prayed to the Lord three times to remove it. He was not thankful for the physical infirmity that he had, but eventually he was able to give thanks in it. Eventually he was able to accept what it allowed him to do, what it enabled him to do. And I think that's the perspective we need to have always. Paul, in Philippians 4, verse 4, the, the scripture reading that we had this morning, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And the things that we think about and the, the prayerful thankfulness that we have throughout our whole life is just there and rich in those verses. Our life may not be easy, and you may not have to give thanks for all of the bad stuff going on in your life, but can't you give thanks in it? Can't you give thanks in spite of those things? Can't you give thanks that despite the trouble I'm having, that I've learned patience? That God has led me to new ways of viewing how I can serve? I'm not saying that we need to be Pollyanna here or just have a silver lining to everything or bury our head in the sand, whatever analogy you want to use. I'm not saying that everything is bubblegum and raindrops. But what I am saying is that a servant of the Lord is not discouraged by those things to the point where we throw up our hands and say, I give up. It's too much. We look around at the difficulty that we face and we give thanks in those things. Because you know who never leaves us throughout all of our difficulty? The Lord God. And in that, I will rejoice. In that, I will rejoice that he's leading me, that he's helping me to grow, that he's giving me more patience. And there are so many things that we can be thankful for in those circumstances. It's just a different way of viewing our lives a different way of understanding how to be grateful even in difficult times. I don't know if you're like me, I, I'm a person who at the end of the day, I like to journal. You may not be a journaler, maybe you're a, a talker, maybe you like to talk to your spouse or someone. 
it's helpful for me at the end of a day, even, if it went, even when it was difficult, to just write down some things that I'm grateful for. Maybe you can just talk to somebody who you're, who you're close to about what you're grateful for in the day. It really just helps reframe what's going on. Here's another challenge for you. Ask someone. Have a conversation with somebody. Again, this is kind of a, a in-the-lobby kind of conversation. Ask a, a spiritually-minded person, how does loss open you to gratitude? I don't think very often we think about loss as being a good thing, although you, when you go to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 2 and 3, what we read at funerals all the time, we understand it's better to be in the house of mourning than the house of feasting, for the living will take it to heart. We understand that, we know that, but talk to somebody about what loss has done to really help you be more grateful. Think about that for yourself. Talk to somebody about that. And have that conversation to know and to have a different perspective on life that even if things are going terribly in your life, you can still be grateful. God can still lead you to be thankful for what he's provided you with. So let's move on to our next roadblock. Our, uh, another roadblock here, our third one is deception. Deception. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. I mean, this is great. Uh, this is one of my favorite passages in talking about thankfulness because God has given us his creation He's shown us how amazing he is. And in Romans 1, verse 21, he says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. We can deceive ourselves and think, there is no God. I know none of us would say that. I hope none of us would say that. But do you ever live like that? When you are an ingrateful person, when you don't show God gratitude and honor and praise him, you are no better than these people who knew God but don't honor him or give thanks to him. That's why I think gratitude is fundamental to who we are as disciples. And if you don't have a grateful heart, if you're not a thankful person, then basically Paul's describing you here in Romans 1.21. When we deceive ourselves to think that God is not giving us blessings, that he's not taking care of us, and we don't turn around to thank him, we've kind of taken God off of his pedestal of authority and glory and power, and we've lowered him. And we've said, I don't really think that God is someone who I should serve, and God is not doing anything for me. What has God done for me? Why should I thank God? Ashlyn just headed to the bathroom, so I'll talk about her for a second. Ever since Ashlyn was a little kid, I mean, she still is a little kid. She just turned 10, but she's, ever since she was little, little, like we've been drilling into her head, say thank you. I have to remind her to say thank you all the time. And if you're a parent, you know, you've probably uttered those words. What do you say? <laughs> you've probably said that so many times, right? We want our little ones to be thankful people. We want them to, to see and understand what people are doing for them what good things people are doing for them, and to show your gratitude. How do we do that, though, as, as believers? We need to acknowledge that these good things, these blessed things are coming from our God, that God is the source of these blessings. James chapter 1, verse 16, all of these good and perfect gifts, they're from God. God is the source of all of the goodness in your life. Just stop and think, for a little while today, maybe about all the good things that you know and experience in your life. 
Every single one of those good things comes from God. God is the source of all of those things. And in all of those things, we should be so thankful for him that he's blessed us in those ways, that he is the source of those blessings. We acknowledge that he is the one who's given them to us. But we do not need to be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. He is the one that gives the great blessings that we have. Don't forget that. Don't forget that God is the source of all these things. And when you forget to thank God, that's really not a good situation to be in. When you deceive yourself and think that all of these good things are coming from somewhere else. Maybe they're coming from you. Maybe you're the source of all the good things that are going on in your life. It's always God, and it always has been. And let's stop to acknowledge that and remember what he's done for us. And so a third challenge here, a prayer that we can offer before God. Pray, let me see your grace all around me, Lord, and overflow with thanksgiving. It's based on Colossians 2, verse 7. You look around at your life. You look around at all the grace, all of the gifts, all the blessings that the Lord has given you, not the least of which we remember just a little bit ago. Jesus, his perfect son the offering, the sacrifice that none of us deserve. Look around at all the grace that's been extended to you and just overflow your thanksgiving to the Lord. When you sit down and pray, I think sometimes it's helpful for us to just have an entire prayer focused on thankfulness. Sometimes we jump into our prayers and we just immediately launch into, Lord, I need all these things. Do all these things for me, Lord. And the Lord certainly will help us in our afflictions, in our anxieties. He certainly will come to our aid. But the Lord is worthy of our praise and our thanks. And there is not enough hours in the day that you could spend in prayer and thankfulness to the Lord. You could thank him all day long in your prayer and not ask for a single thing. He's worthy of that. So let's, let's, go, to, let's go to our God in prayer and just overflow our thanksgiving to him. It's something that we all need to remember, and it's something that we all need to be doing, because he's the source of all good blessings. Here's the last one. This one's a little strange, so turn with me to Luke 18. You can look in the Bible, by the way, if you just do a, a search for thanks or thankfulness in the Bible, I mean, you're going to spend all day reading. <laughs> There's a lot of thanks given throughout the Bible, but here in Luke 18 is a really interesting case of thankfulness. And this is in Jesus' parable of the rich man, or sorry, the Pharisee and the tax collector. These two men who go into the temple to pray. He says, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And then in verse 11, the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Can you just, can you hear that prayer? Oh yes, he is thanking God, isn't he? What is he thanking God for? Not for what God has done for him. He's thanking God for what he's done. I think sometimes disdain can stand in the way of true thankfulness. This Pharisee stood up and he was very thankful. He was a very grateful person, but who was he grateful for? He was grateful for himself. <laughs> he 
You look down on other people. I thank you that I'm not like all these other sinners out here, all these terrible people. Oh, and by the way, that guy. <laughs> I thank you I'm not like him. Modern equivalent for this, and I honestly can't remember if mom ever did this, so maybe your parents, if they ever did, you can let me know afterward. Your parents ever tell you, you better eat your broccoli, because there are kids in Africa who would kill to have that broccoli that you're going to throw away. Your parents ever told you that? You know, in order to teach you about being thankful for something, they have to compare your situation with someone else's situation. And that's a real bear trap. That is a real bear trap in thanksgiving. You can be thankful for what you have. You can be thankful for what God has blessed you with, but please, please, please be very careful. And don't compare your blessings to other people's blessings. Don't compare your situation to someone else's situation. Because not only does that make you feel superior to them, but you know what that does? That makes their blessings seem insignificant. And it makes, it makes a real strained relationship between the two of you. You feel prideful and you look down on others because you've been blessed so much. Oh, but those people down there. I mean, you can't, you can't hear very long stories about people in other countries, impoverished countries, who are just the happiest people and who are the most joyful people. You can't hear about those kinds of people and understand that comparison doesn't just infect us. It's an insidious trap when we compare ourselves to other people. So rather than disdaining people and looking down and comparing our blessings with others, why don't we just get to work helping people? Why do we get to work helping people? And that's really what Paul's mission was in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We see Paul encouraging these people really to be of assistance. And in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 15, he's talking about this sharing of the gospel of the good news. And he's talking about this gift that the, that the Corinthians were able to participate in. In verse 15, for it is all for your sake, so that the grace, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God, so we do not lose heart. The more we share the good news with people, the more that spreads, and the more thankfulness comes up before God, the more gratitude, the more people pray to God and bless Him and honor Him for all the goodness that He's given. Yes, it's awesome that we can go out, as we talked about in our first lesson, and share the good news with people. But don't forget that when we help others, when we share the gospel with them, not only does that spread the good news, but it also spreads thankfulness. It spreads gratitude. And that's what we're all about in life, is, is assisting and helping other people. Chapter 9, verse 11, You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us, will produce thanksgivings to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So here in these two verses, he's talking about sharing the gospel with people, but he's also talking about sharing your money and your finances, your time, your attention, your resources with people. When we just, rather than comparing ourselves to everyone and thinking that we're better than them, when we just get about assisting people and helping people, providing for people, sacrificing for people. You know what that causes us to do? Is to be thankful. And you know what that causes them to do? 
to be thankful. It multiplies gratitude. And I think that we don't spend enough time talking about gratitude. And I think we need to think more about gratitude and being thankful. And so the last challenge that I'll leave you with, a reflective question. Ask yourself sometime this week, what changes in me when I decide to have gratitude in serving others? What changes in me? What, what, transform, what transformation am I making when I decide to just gratefully and joyfully serve other people? I'll, I'll tell you, sometimes, you know, you don't feel like calling a brother or sister on the phone. You might have a lot of stuff going on. You might be real busy. But I know when I've called some folks and talked to them for a little while on the phone, I get off that conversation. Whether I really wanted to do that in the first place or not, I get off that conversation on a, on a pretty good high. And that's in a good way. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It's a joyful thing when you get to, to connect with someone. It's a joyful thing when you get to step in and serve someone, when you get to help someone, when you get to take time out of your busy life and just go and serve others. What changes in you when you decide to do that gratefully? Well, not only do you turn around and thank God for that opportunity, but that person turns around and they thank God as well. And the, the gratitude then multiplies. So, look, I know that the pandemic has been tough on a lot of people. And I know all of our political struggles and everything that's going on can really cause us to just complain and gripe about stuff and, and really forget that we should just be a, great, a grateful people always. Don't, don't save conversations about Thanksgiving until November. That's, Sherilyn told me yesterday, that's super cliche, isn't it? I'm like, yeah, yeah, and that's why she doesn't like February 14th, right? <laughs> These are things that we express all year long. Gratitude is something that we show our Lord every day. And so are you grateful? Are you grateful for what he's done for you? And this lesson really... I mean, surely has not been one that would teach you what to do to be saved. But honestly, if you know what it is that you need to do, how can you, how can you deny a God who has given you his only son? How can you deny giving him your entire life? You don't have to repay that great gift that he gave you. You just have to say thank you. And one of the best ways to say thank you if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. One of the best ways to say thank you is to give your life to him. If you're ready to do that, please come forward as we stand and sing.